I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. What's good, world? This is Anthony Roberts, host of The Reality Is Where Filter Becomes Extinct. And I think this is episode 76. Over the last couple of weeks, I've said 72, 73, 74, 75 when it was one up or one down or one off. I've been doing that because SoundCloud took episode 72. If anybody's doing a podcast and you're doing your podcast or your RSS feeds through SoundCloud, you already know if you play 30 seconds too long of a song, It doesn't matter if you purchased it. It doesn't matter if you downloaded it. It doesn't matter if you are the songwriter, him or herself. If you don't have proof that you own that song, they will get rid of your shit. So episode 72, I just got it back, man. Honestly, SoundCloud, I would say if you're listening, but clearly you're listening I want to say thank you for giving me episode 72 back so I can stop skipping 73, 74, 75, and 76 consistently and correctly. On this episode of The Reality Is Where Filter Becomes Extinct, we have Chicago's very own Jason Ferg. Jason Ferguson, his hip-hop name, Jason Ferg. Go check out his album that he just dropped, Tribune, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, You can Google it. It's on Amazon, so on and so forth. You catch my drift. If you listen to episode 75, I think, air quotes, then you know that we're no longer in the studio. I mean, we're in the studio. It's a home studio with better equipment, with better timing, with better everything. If you don't think that the quality of this podcast has gotten better, go back and listen to the last episode. Episode, no, not the last one. Listen to 73, I think, with Jason Criddle. And we were in the studio. You can hear how airy it is. When you're doing a podcast, After a while, the quality has to get better. So now you have better quality. You got better quality. We got better everything, man. Thank God. Thank the listeners. Thank everybody who continues to listen and help push the podcast forward. I want to say thanks to Jason Ferguson. I want to say thanks to the city of Chicago for Jason Ferguson. Uh, This interview, you'll be able to tell it's real laid back. It's genuine. Um, I met Jason. I haven't officially met him, but you know, most people are like, Oh, when I met this person, well, I haven't even met Jason Ferguson at this point in time. I got an email from him. As you hear me talk about on the podcast, um, he saw the, uh, the reality of second annual backpacks and haircuts and he wanted to help out. He was like, Hey man, I cut hair. I can help out cutting hair. If you want me to sing, I can sing. If you want me to dance, I can dance. I could do whatever. He didn't say dance, but you get my drift. He wanted to do anything just to be, or just to help out with the backpacks and haircuts event. It's very, very few people that you see these days, that you find these days, that genuinely want to help with no agenda, no propaganda, no notoriety that they're trying to hide or catch up on. He just wanted to help out. He said, man, his kid's involved. 
My wife sent this to me and told me about it. My wife said it seemed legit. I did my research. I saw the website you guys had. That was legit. I did more research on you and everything seemed to be legit and business oriented. I want to be down and I want to help out. And I told Jason and I'll say it again. Thank you, Jason, for wanting to help out. Thank you to Dallas men. Thank you to the people who are behind the reality is helping out. Thank you to our people who have invested. Thank you to our listeners. I also want to give a big shout out to uh, Podcasting Color. I don't know her name, but she's amazing. Why am I giving a shout out to Podcasting Color? Please, Miss Podcasting Color, if you listen to this podcast, inbox me at info at the reality is. I want to know your name. I would love for you to be on the podcast. And the reason I'm paying attention to Podcasting Color is because she is one she is single-handedly putting podcasts on the map putting podcast people of color who are podcasting on the map that's all she does it's nothing against you know white people or whatever she may even have white people on there i just see people of color black lives matter people we focusing on us right now so i want to say salute to creating i think you created it i don't know i could be lying but if you created the hashtag podin p-o-d-i-n that's something that you, she always says, hey, what podcast are you listening to? Hashtag Podden. Podcast in color. You can follow her on Instagram, Twitter. I don't know if she has a Facebook, but she's she's amazing. If you listen to my podcast and you want somebody to help support you and promote you and put you out there, then you know what? Podcast in color is the lady who can get it done for you. We love you here. You've done a lot. We've sent a lot of listeners our way and we appreciate you so man without no further ado let's get into the podcast man jason ferg anthony roberts episode 76 i think let's go up be blessed they busting through them gangways them not firecrackers hot on the summer days no shade straight forward on the pathway to foolishness to clueless i'm actually sitting here looking over your looking over your resume and i was uh-huh. like this guy here man you need to be running for president man I was looking, I was like, uh, you know, because my consultant, when she saw the, when she got the email, I remember her being excited about it a couple days ago. She's like, I am excited uh, about uh, Jason. She's like, you have got to set up the phone interview and you got to talk to him. And that's what was happening when, you know, when I missed your, when I missed your, the meeting, to call you back that day but she was like hey i just love jason just from the email and the fact that he reached out and he wanted to help she was like he offered up his time he didn't ask for any money he didn't want anything she was like he just wanted to help and then she was like i asked him to send me something that i could reference to and she forwarded the email and she's like wait a minute she's like you got to work with him if you don't do nothing else because look at his email look at his uh resume and i looked at the resume i said this man here Straight out of Chicago. Oh, hey, you know, because you know in man. Chicago, they like to stereotype y'all, man. I know. It's so, dude, I forgot um, I forgot to send you, I wanted to send you a link to my album uh, already, called Tribune. I, I just dropped I, it on I me. already got it, man. Oh, man, get out of here. Yeah, I already been listening, <laughs> man. I actually just got through listening. I actually listened to it uh, last week. I listened to a couple of songs. Um, I do like Mar- uh-huh. I do like Marvelous because I saw it on iTunes and you know on iTunes, whatever the most played song is or the most favorite favorite song is, they have that star by it to let people know to listen to it. Yeah. So I was listening to it, man, and um, I like Marvelous. It's it's a positive message, and when I was listening to it, I was like, uh, I was telling her, I was like, he kind of reminds me of 
uh, I think it's Dwelle and a little bit of Common, the way you rap. Oh, man. Well, I, I received both of them. Those are two of my favorite artists. Yeah. So I could sense, I could no, sense sure. a little of the flavor, you know, that kind of flavor. That's why I was like, okay, yeah, I, I like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, That's what's up, man. I don't know if you already know. We already recorded, man. I like to just go right into it. And, you know, I, I always tell people all the time, the show is called The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. And what I always try to do is for me when I podcast, most people, if I interview them, it's not like a, a traditional interview because, you know, a lot of times right. people you ask, they feel like they're being asked questions as opposed to just having a conversation, making the person feel comfortable and just jumping right Absolutely. into it. So I know one of the things I wanted to uh, when people are listening to the podcast if they're saying who is Jason Ferguson, what would you tell people who Jason Ferguson is, where you come from, and and how did you get here? You know, to Texas. Cool man. Um, yeah, I would I would say that Jason Ferguson is a uh, a son, a husband, a dad, um, a brother, a comrade. Uh, originally from Chicago, the west side of Chicago to be exact. Um, if anybody ever asks you make sure that they understand that the west side is the best side of Chicago. Um, uh, it's kind of like, you know, New Yorkers would be proud of their borough. Oh, uh, yeah. Chicagoans are proud of the side, the town they're from. So, but, um, yeah, from the west side of Chicago, man, grew up in Chicago public schools, uh, come from a family that raised me to be proud of uh, who I am and faith, who I am as an African born in America, I grew up saying that exact thing. I wasn't uh, an African American. I was. I am an African born in America. So, uh, in fact, the first my preschool was uh, uh, an African centered preschool called Shule Yawatoto, which is in Swahili. It uh, is school for children, and so um, you know. I really consider my Chicago experience to be unique, which is why, you know, my album Tribune, I felt like I had a responsibility to express, um, you know, my perspective and shine a positive light on the beauties of Chicago, yeah. particularly in light of all the negative media about the city. The fact is that Chicago, like many urban centers across our country, um, has been hit hard by systemic racism, has been hit hard by uh, police uh, policing issues in the community, has been hit. It was completely smacked yeah. by the, the emergence of crack cocaine. Was smacked. I mean, like a tornado can smack a city. Yeah. Crack cocaine smacked Chicago. I literally watched, like, the, the, the neighborhood prom queen who everybody considered to be beautiful and like on a fast track to success you know become a woman who doesn't care for herself who's missing teeth who walks with a limp yeah. who doesn't shower anymore yeah. like families completely robbed of the promise you know yeah. um, and it was no help it was just like hey this is just this is your new story this is your new norm the revolutionaries return It's never lacking action I'm back with the love of God Walking down Jackson, Chicago It's happening Summers are electric Can you feel the essence of her residence? Finding their direction Without a GPS so creative 
Many transplants, few natives, we can take it to the home. I'm in the field of emergency management. I lead the national training department for an organization called Team Rubicon. And um, Team Rubicon unites the skills of military veterans and first responders to rapidly deploy emergency response teams in the immediate aftermath of natural disasters. Okay. And so um, I learned about Team Rubicon when I was still living in Chicago. I like to tell the story that I was minding my own business, working <laughs> for an emergency management consulting firm. And uh, a good buddy of mine uh, was a volunteer member for Team Rubicon, and he was like just raving about what the organization was all about and what they were up to. And he asked me if I would volunteer to teach some classes, some incident command system classes, which are like FEMA um, emergency management, like organizational structure type classes. Yeah. And um, I was like, yo, I'm down. Just let me know when and where. I would love to get involved. This sounds like a great organization. And while I was waiting for that volunteer opportunity to kind of kick off, I noticed that Team Rubicon was looking to actually build its first training department. So I put my name in the hat. Uh, the position would report to Los Angeles, California, where our national office is. And, um, man... All praise be to God. I was actually the, the guy selected for the role. And so my, my wife and uh, my family and I just moved out to L.A. Um, back in 2013. And we spent the last three years there helping build Team Rubicon's training department. And uh, just this year, uh, June 1st, we moved from L.A. to Dallas. Uh, specifically, we were in uh, Mansfield. Um, our, our office, is, uh, the new office that Team Rubicon just opened is right in Grand Prairie. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a, an awesome journey, uh, no dull moment, um, and we're just enjoying the ride, man. I'm grateful, very, very grateful to be uh, a, a resident of Texas. Um, definitely appreciate the, the people that I've met thus far. I've been very warmly welcomed. Yeah. Not just warm in terms of hospitality, but this young weather as well. Oh yeah, you don't um, get it here. <laughs> You gonna, if you don't get it nowhere you know, else, you're going to get it here. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's been good. Uh, to, to be honest, man, the heat doesn't really bother me that, bit, that yeah. much. You know, I just stay out of it. But it's been great, man. I definitely appreciate it. Um, excited about getting plugged into the community. Um, so grateful that I was able to meet you. And, um, you know, looking forward to working alongside you and your team and, and, and the awesome work that you guys are doing. Like, I know a lot of times we talk about systemic, uh, not racism, but oppression. And I know when you talk to a lot of white colleagues or some even black colleagues, if people haven't experienced systematic um, oppression, what would you say is systemic oppression and how do you feel like it affected Chicago? Like, I know a lot of like here, systemic oppression can be with the gentrification. It could be with um, it, it, to make it playing for certain people who don't know about it even going back to like Bill Clinton and the three strikes rule because it directly affected minorities um, for petty mm -hmm. crimes and you know making mistakes when they were teenagers that affected them when they you know became older in life and more mature but they already had the you know they had already drawn a bad hand so when you talk about systemic oppression what do you mean by that and how do you feel like it directly affected Chicago oh that's a great question so uh, the first the first target 
that I would I would point to is the way that the educational system is structured. Uh, in the city of Chicago, uh, schools are funded by the local tax bracket. Yeah. And if you look at the way that the city is lined, you know, is is constructed, um, or how neighborhoods were constructed over the years, because of segregation, you have population, populations basically live among each other, among themselves, I should say. And so you have, you know, Humboldt Park, which is one of the, the nation's largest uh, Puerto Rican neighborhoods. Yeah. And I mean, if you're looking to move to Chicago and you have an uncle who lives there and you're Puerto Rican, chances are you're going straight to Humboldt Park. <laughs> you know, and just picture that over the years. The same thing with um, Chinatown or Little Italy or, you know, the by and large, the west side and the south side of Chicago post nineteen early 1970s are, are black. Yeah. This is where, you know, you have brothers and sisters who, who plant, plant their roots. Yeah. And there's families who've been there for years and that whole deal. Yeah. So if we know that, you know, with the changeover from, you know, industry and a lot of factories are shutting down and a lot of companies um, post-1968, um, you know, uh, when Dr. King was assassinated, the West Side burned. Yeah. Like, and our people, unfortunately, participated in it, but there was such a uprising that a lot of the local businesses, many of them were, were, were not black-owned, yeah. but they were just burned down. People were angry. Um, there was unrest. And um, I actually speak about that um, in the third verse of uh, the song on my album called Chicago Fire. And it just said, like, you know, like I... I I grew up looking at the ruins of decisions that were made years before, you know, I was ever even born, yeah. you know, like it's just, it's crazy. And so, um, if we know that there are dilapidated communities where there's no business hub in that community and that the majority of the folks in a particular community also rent, they don't own their homes. Yeah. Then if that is the tax bracket that's funding, the educational system or the school that's in that area, then you're telling me that these are the very people who are going to perpetually be in the state that they're in, if not grow increasingly worse yeah. and, and, and less prepared to su- succeed um, in the legal economy. So you're almost forcing people into the illegal economy yeah. because they're not going to be able to lift themselves up out of uh, a situation. So just that decision alone is like, a systemic flaw yeah you know to me it looks like uh the people who are in the greatest need need the, the most resources to at least allow to help you know rebuild this is chicago fire in the name of the messiah we about to go higher let's go negative news 
and at the time we were living in, in LA and I'm like man it, it was it was almost the equivalent of like seeing a, a hurricane you know make landfall and on the city yeah and it was like there has to be something that I can do to respond to this this is crazy you know this is not this is not the truth that I know about my city and I I have a, a, a whole separate opinion on the what media, how media is used to 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 paint pictures yeah. and things like that, and how that even contributes to some of what we're seeing today um, in terms of the racial dynamic, in terms of other social issues across the country. But um, it was my response, man. I was like, no, nah, man, I got a whole other narrative. If this is the news that you're going to present, yeah. I need the people to hear the news that I'll present about my city. Yeah. And then, so... Um, to, to take that a little bit further, there uh, one of um, the two major newspapers in the city of Chicago, one is the Tribune and the other is the Sun-Times. Okay. And just like you have the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs, yeah. you have people who literally like pledge allegiance to one <laughs> paper or the other. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you a Tribune guy? Are you a Sun-Times kind of guy? Yeah. And there's like, there's like these stereotypes of like attributes of one who was a Tribune reader versus one who was a Sun-Times reader. So, um, you know, I, so that was the other connection to just Chicago. The Tribune is, is a source of news. Yeah. But then um, I was like, right, just, you know, doodling the, the name Tribune and playing with it because I just kind of felt this leading to just like focus on that a little bit deeper. Yeah. And I looked up the definition of the word Tribune and it actually is uh, rooted, I think, in Roman culture. And back in the day, it was uh, a person who was appointed by the people to advocate for them or to advocate on their behalf. Yeah. And that just, I was just like, oh, I'm done. I dropped the pen. I'm like, that's the album title right there. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny how easy the, the title sometimes comes because I know a lot of times with the podcast, I have a podcast and I'm like, I don't know what I want to name this title. And a lot of other podcasts, you know, they just say episode 72 or whatever. But for me, I'm like to, to kind of name, you know, because each podcast is like a baby. You know, you, you either right. talking about different stuff or you're interviewing a different person. So you don't want to just say episode. You got to give it, you know, a little spin. And normally what mine comes from is just like interviewing you right now and talking to you. It'll be something that you say throughout this uh, podcast or this interview that'll be able to, you know, click in my head. And I'm like, OK, I can name it that. So it's, it's one of those exactly. things, like you said, sometimes it's just a spur of the moment thing, and it's one of those things you're not even expecting or not even waiting for, and it just happens. A, a number of, a number of like critical junctures in my life where it was, um, you know, kind of evident that, you know, I would follow this path um, a couple of things happened. I mean, again, tying it back to the, you know, African-centered education or the, just the community that I was in, I always respected storytelling. I always respected uh, the role of a griot in yeah. a community who, who you know, was the orator who actually preserved our history, who told stories or communicated messages to bring the people together or keep the people on the same page or point people toward the larger vision. So I always appreciated that. And I learned early on, man, that I was a leader and a communicator. I mean, growing up, you know, hooping on the courts of 
of the west side of Chicago, um, you know, I was a point guard and I found myself being one who liked to uh, bring the bring the people together, bring the team together, regardless of what our opposition was. You know, I would be on the front lines trying to lead us lead us to victory, so to speak. Yeah. And that's something that you know. It, it, it doesn't make its way on a resume, but like, yo, I got years of experience, leadership experience. Yeah. I got years, I mean, leading co- complex teams, you know, yeah. homeboy from across the park who you know is like, he got a bad temper, but yeah. you got to keep him cool, you know, until we finish this game, you yeah. know, like, yeah. some, com- some very complex challenges that, you know, we we experienced but yeah. like I said they, they'll never make their way on the resume but it's funny but you say I'm that too to... though you remember that line where Jay-Z I think Jay-Z said I can't remember the exact phrase I'm paraphrasing it but he said something to the uh-huh. extent of you know when he made the statement of he's a businessman you know a lot of white people especially when he started doing the uh uh, becoming a agent, you know, for athletes, a lot of people was like, he's not a businessman. But like you said, he's done things in the drug game that he can't necessarily put on a resume. But like you said, to maneuver through the streets, to be able to weigh kilos, bricks and keys, and all those things that a lot of people don't know about, and keep people happy, keep enough product to make sure the product don't have to be chopped in half and diluted. I know I'm getting kind of deep, and people probably like, what you know about that, but. You can't. It doesn't go on a resume, and I always tell people I'd rather be street smart than book smart any day of the week. Bruh, you just you just said that thing, and it's so real. Yeah. If we if we simply found a way to translate the the street hustle, the the core the yeah. core skills. I mean, even for those who have never participated in anything illegal, they've yeah. never been in the game. Oh yeah. Just to just to be able to navigate. The community where all of these dynamics are at play, yeah. And you know, if, if you take a if you take a 17, 18 year old who tells me that he graduated from high school from from one of our communities versus some kid who graduated high school in some suburban community. Now, yeah. look, not to not those who grew up in the suburbs because there's course. a whole other separate. There, there's a whole other separate realm like of, of issues and challenges. In, in that environment, yeah. but dude, there are skills that you that you hone day after day, just walking to and from school. Yeah, there are skills and attributes. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's that's such a that's such a to me that's beautiful. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that, and I celebrate that. That's also something that I wanted to to uh, to put on on uh, on display with the album. Yeah. I wanted to put on display that hey, I may come from what some people call a ghetto, but yo, I'm proud. I said um, the West Side prepared me from bus stop to boardroom. Yeah, like where I where I grew up, man, it, it taught me how to stand on the street corner and scope out if something was about to go down and how to get to safety. Yeah, and that same place gave me the confidence that it takes to go into a boardroom and talk to somebody about donating you know, millions of dollars yeah. to an organization that helps veterans respond to disasters. Yeah. It makes it easy. I love, I love, dude, I, I remember the first time I traveled internationally, I went to Ghana, West Africa in 2001. Me and my homeboy, Anthony Parti, shout out to Ant. We went with uh, a guy who we call Baba Olamenji. He's from the south side of Chicago. He takes trips and takes small groups over to Ghana. And he takes groups and not in the like, 
tourist kind of a way, but yeah. he's like, yo, we're going home. Yeah. We got connections. We're going we're gonna to go to Ghana like we are relatives coming home for, yeah. the, for the week. Like Airbnb. It's just like that. Like you, you're you're in the you're yeah. in the community. Yeah, stay in Atlanta I wasn't prepared at the time that I went but one of the things that made me want to stay in Atlanta was 
getting off, getting out the truck. And like you said, seeing people my age and, you know, between the ages of 20 and 30 already driving Mercedes and already, you know, pushing nice cars and wearing suits. And they were the ones walking out of the skyscraper, uh, skyscraper buildings. They were the ones living in the luxury apartments. They were the ones eating in the, the elegant, you know, uh, restaurants. And the thing about it, yes, it was white people there as well, but we outnumbered them to where it just seemed like what's going on. And like I, like you said, growing up here in America, you, you tie success to Caucasian people. You just do. I, I even had a friend one time, He's from uh, he's from the islands. And I remember when he came here, you know, he's married to a white woman, real cool guy. But he was like, I never really hung around black people when I got here. And I was like, why not? And he was like, I never he's like, all I knew is I wanted to be successful. I grew up on the islands to where we didn't wear shoes. We were poor, whatever the case may be. He's like, so when I got here, I wanted to be the furthest place away or the first from the furthest thing away from being poor. He's like, and when I came here, he was living in uh, Baltimore and he was like, all I equated to success was white people. He's like, so uh-huh. I've been called out about this and I've been, you know, he's been called out his name and uncle Tom and all that. And he was like, but it wasn't about selling out black people or not being around black people. He was like, where I come from and what I know, my story was poverty. And I was just trying to get as far away from poverty as, as I can. And as he's, as our friendship has grown and I've been able to talk to him, his mindset has changed. I've seen his views change, but it's like, that's what he was tied to. And it's one of those things to where when people talk about interracial dating and stuff like that, and how people jump on black men or white women or whatever race for dating outside their race. Some people just have a different story. You have those guys or you have those girls who they date outside their race for fetishes, but you truly do have people who just grew up and had different circumstances when they were growing up. And they just do the the things that they do for totally different reasons and no other reason than they just wanted to, be better or do better or be loved for you know whatever the case may be absolutely and that's a great point man like a lot of a lot of our mindsets and you know idiosyncrasies and perspectives have we've we've inherited them you know our experiences i mean and i'll just use this as an example i try not to be like this super deep super black dude all the time but (laughs) that's even just like last night we were sitting on the couch and watching this, this like children's show and they would it was like this nonverbal segment where they're just kinda like in an old school movie kind of fashion. They got music playing. There's no speaking, no like no lines. The art the actors are not using any lines, but they just like making facial expressions yeah. and doing different movements. So they had this grown man, this this grown black man come out on the stage. There were there was a um, uh, a weight a, a weight bar with like just picture like four hundred pounds on the bar. Yeah, you know uh, plates on each side, and it's just like he was coming out there. He had on like this weightlifting suit on, like spandex uh, onesie looking thing, and this black man reaches down to grab the bar. He's like making faces like he's struggling to pick it up. He lifts it, he, he like uses all of the strength in the world and like he lifts this thing up and, uh, you know, pushes it over his head and he drops it, boom. And then everybody's like clapping. But he clearly like was just about, a, he was just like this big muscle. Yeah. That's what he was. Yeah. And then he goes off the stage and then uh, a, a young white boy walks on the stage and he's probably about 11 years old 
He has on glasses. He's like the equivalent of what we used to see as like Steve Urkel, but yeah. like the white version of it. <laughs> he has on glasses. He literally is walking out on the stage, and, and in one hand, he's reading a book. He's holding and reading a book. And as he's like nonchalantly walking to this uh, the same weight that this black man just like struggled to lift, He's still reading the book. He reaches down with one hand. I think he even grabbed it with one finger. <laughs> and he lifts it up above his head. And he's like, what's the big deal? Like, he's still reading the book. Yeah. And then everybody is, like, marveling and that whole thing that he drops it and he, like, walks off the stage. And I just watched that. And I'm, I look at my daughter, who's two years old, and I'm like, what, what message did that little segment just deliver to her? Yeah. You know? What, yeah. Is that, what does that say about who she is? As a young black, as a young black girl, yeah. what does it say about her skin? What does it say? I mean, like these are the, the subliminal messages that if we're not careful, oh yeah, you know, it, it has deep impact. Yeah, and you wonder why the twenty-one-year-old African American male, um, who may have, you know, finished undergrad just like his white counterpart, lacks the same level of confidence. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why? Why is it? Yeah. But why is it that 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 teenager is um, more confident in you know turning taking his talents to the streets yeah. than taking it to corporate America? And you don't perhaps see there it. are certain there are certain messages that he's been fed over time to yeah. tell him this is who you are. This is not who you are. Yeah, exactly. This is who you are. This is not who you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and again, when I when I recorded Tribune. I didn't want to sound like some lame who was preaching at the hood. Yeah. That's not what I, you know, I am among, I am from the people. I am of the people. I am the people. Yeah. And I, I communicate from the voice, from the voice of the people. But I'm also, I also want to say that there's also more for us. There's also, um, it, it is totally possible and within our reach to take our talent and apply our talent and our ingenuity and our skills in a different way. And so, um, man, not to keep qu- quoting lyrics, I said, uh, and, uh, and, and skyscraper, and I said, to the top I climb, but not for my pleasure, only to return and show the way to something better. They say it's out there, but we need a go-getter. The brave one stood and said, hey, yo, whatever. And it takes bravery, you know, I think about being a kid, and, you know, like everybody else, you know that you would get picked on if you didn't have on certain shoes. Oh, yeah. You would get picked on yeah. if you call yourself trying to be too smart. You know, like people would literally ridicule you for certain things. Yeah. But it took a certain level of bravery to say, okay, I understand that dynamic, but I have to push against that for my own sake. Yeah. And for my friend's sake, who's not brave enough to make the stand. So if I, if I take the stand and I catch a little heat but get through it, then maybe I can actually open up a whole other lane for my, my entire class. Yeah. Because all of these shorties really want to do what I'm going to do right now and actually, like, be brave and, like, really for real do our homework and yeah. not be so caught up in material things. But everybody else is, like, too scared to, to go through the the tough part of it. But, yeah. but if I go through it, yeah. maybe I can change the game and actually create another narrative and, and just, like, free everybody from that yeah and i think it's important to do that i think one of the biggest things that i've learned with trying to get back to the community and what's important to me even growing up you know i I, i've worked with a lot of people here in dallas and i've been around a lot of people here in dallas and i i salute a lot of the black young brothers around the city that are giving back uh to the community 
one thing that I that I would always tell them or that I would tell them if they listen to this podcast is a lot of times I think people still get black men, black women and specifically black men. They still get caught up in what they have on their backs when they go to talk to kids at school or when they go to talk to a room full of people. This is the way I look at it. If I go to the hood right now, I, I, I did some mentoring a couple of years ago. And when I went to the hood, before I went to the hood, an older guy told me, he said, when you go, just wear a T-shirt and jeans, just wear a T-shirt, some jeans and a t- and, and some tennis shoes. And he's like, the reason you do that is because those kids need to feel like you can ch- if, if your words mean anything and have any power behind them and, and realness behind them, they will catch your words, but they have to be able to relate to you first. And a lot of times I think we get the message mixed up to where we're like, hey, let's show black people that we do look like this. And sometimes I feel like, yeah, it's a great message to show young black kids or the black community how we look. Or like I know a lot of it's a lot of campaigns going on right now where it's like a new stereotype to where we're taking pictures of men and black men and black women dressed up. And I get that. And I think we need that. But I think sometimes we have to stay focused on who we are and what's relatable to the community. And to be able to go out there and wear a T-shirt and jeans and still send the same message, it impacts them in a different way because they want to feel like they can touch you and talk to you. It's just like to me, I, I, I tied to some churches or a church I grew up in. You would always hear the preacher preach and he would be in his nice suit or whatever the case may be. But after church, you couldn't get close to him. You couldn't, not all preachers you can get close to and talk to. And a lot of times that where that that's heavy on the heart of certain saints. And I tie that to kids because it's like, if they can't relate to you, then you have still done nothing for them. You know, it's just like with rap music, just like what you do right now. People can relate to that. People can relate to coming. People can relate to Kendrick Lamar. That's why he's so big right now. People can relate to J. Cole. Mm-hmm. That's why he's so big right now, because you're sending or trying to send the same type of message, specifically that J. Cole is sending, where it's always about giving back to the community, being bigger, not being bought out by big industry things and staying focused on the cause. Because as well as it's going to happen in, in corporate America, it got to happen in the streets first, just like everybody wants stuff to happen or change with Obama in, in the office but nobody votes in the local elections I just think we right, have to make right. sure our message is clear when we're you know when we're doing what we're doing and I think if the agenda is about the people and not about yourself or notoriety that message will get across eventually at some point we shoveled our way through education even in the faces of the racists who said we wouldn't make it I celebrate the grace to endure to overcome hate and remain pure rest assured God's power is stronger than the crack in these streets it's catching us when we fall beneath we balled in the heat to avoid the drama in the summer bro that's such a strong point um I remember when my high school switched from uh it was my my sophomore year no my junior year they switched from like you you being able to wear regular street clothes to having a uniform yeah. and um our principal at the time who's now uh I think his I can't think of his exact title but Mr. Paul Adams um actually made the decision to go to uniform because he wanted to remove all of the you know all of the freaking showboating that happens from like what you rock in the school yeah like let's just focus on academics. So everybody wear some khakis and a young white polo or button up shirt. Yeah. You know, let's even the playing field and take our you know attention off of who got on Jabos and guest chains. Yeah. That's what we was doing back then, yeah. obviously. And um, let's just focus on what we're doing in terms of this work right yeah. now. 
Yeah. Right? And so you could feel the whole vibe change. And just here recently, I was thinking about this. I mean, you, you know, this whole notion that where we spend our dollar is really what's going to matter has really been heavy on me. Yeah. And I was like, I need to find someone who is a tailor in my community. I can go to and say, hey, I want, you know, plain Oxford shirts. Yeah. Just button up, button up shirts. I want my collars to button down. I want short sleeve. I want long sleeve. And I want you to make them out of this fabric in these colors. Yeah. I want to make my own pants. Yeah. You know, I want these joints to fit me like no, none of the pants ever. Yeah. Ain't no tag on them. I put my own name on the inside yeah. of these pants. Yeah. And I want to pick my own fabric. And, dude, have my closet so, so, like, swaggy, but yeah. so bland and so non-name brand. Like, you know, like, to the point where I'm saying to you, I could care less. Yeah. It's yeah. not, that's not what my life is about. Yeah. That's not how I define myself. And when you see me, you're going you're gonna to be questioning, like, who is this cat? Yeah. But not because of how blinged out I am or yeah. who else's name I got on my back. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Nah, I, you know it's what funny. I'm saying? So, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, no, no, that was it. That was it. I, I think what you're saying is, is, is like his movement level. Like, that is the movement. Yeah. I've been trying to, I think we get caught up. I mean, I I tell people all the time when I do, when I do radio or do the podcast, I always talk about things that's going on, but I always try to think of a solution because for me, I've been materialistic. Uh, you know, I have a couple of parachutes in my closet now from about four years ago that I paid four or $500 for, and I've only worn them three or four times, which now at this age, uh -huh. I'm about to turn 34 in a couple of months. And it's like, what the hell was I thinking then to buy? Right three, four, five hundred dollar pair of shoes and I'm not even wearing them now. Yeah. And like you said, I think this year, since this year came in, I haven't bought anything uh far as like clothes related or fashion or style or anything. And I told myself, I was like, I'm gonna try my best to go the whole year without buying any clothes. Because I have clothes that I haven't even worn and and you start looking at things like I don't even know when this started, but it's like I'm sure everybody has more in their closet than they should have. And we still go out and buy something like I'll go buy. Like if I went to San Diego or California or New York next week, the old me would go buy clothes for going to New York. When in reality, nobody has even seen what I've worn here in Texas because I've never <laughs> been to New York. So why in the world would I go buy new clothes to go to New York? Yeah. But you know what though? If we take that, if we take that and flip it, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different examples of it. Look at if you go to Google and you type in Albert Einstein mm -hmm. and just and, and switch it to images, chances are you're gonna see Albert Einstein in a white shirt and a black suit. <laughs> Steve Jobs as well. Yeah, I mean, the the man. I think I think he made a decision, and I, I can't remember what suit uh, company or what who, whoever the whatever the make was but he just like I want I'd rather have 10 of these because my brand is this yeah when people see me if you if you if you rolled up on me with a camera right now yeah I want you to see me just like this yeah you know so how how can we leverage that and actually uh start to empower ourselves Cause it's not really a like a a, a retreating position. It's, it's a it's a forward leaning and a, in a an offensive move yeah. to to say like yo we're gonna we're gonna take the power back of like 
how we spend our dollars. You know, ironically, the money that we spend on threads, you know, the same cotton that our ancestors were picking, yeah. and that made this country a powerhouse, a financial powerhouse, we were picking it and not getting paid anything. And now, the, our, the, the those people, their descendants are paying top dollar for the very material that they that our ancestors were picking for at no cost, at no cost, free. yeah. And and we're giving we're giving that money over we, we, the the money that we now can go and earn. We're taking that money and we're giving it back to right people. Back. It's, it's like yeah, it's it's it, it is almost yeah. like the definition of insanity. Yeah, it's crazy because you have you have you'll even have. I read stuff all the time where you got you got women. I won't say a race or a color, but you have women who will be like, I don't care about all these things. I just want a man who loves me. I just want a man who does this and who cares and this and this and that. Everything that's being done a lot of times as far as money, whether it's drugs to get money or drugs to get clothes or going to school, getting an education to get more money. People or men always do things to impress women. And then it's it's such a crazy or it's such a mixed a mixed signal being sent because you have women saying, I just want a man who loves me, but they not saying, but until they meet the man and he may not look the part or, and I understand looks mean something, but even if a woman saw a good looking man, if he's wearing a certain type of clothes or driving a certain type of car, it's very few women out here. Who's going to continue talking to him. I've heard, I've had girlfriends call me and be like, I met a guy tonight. He was great. He was handsome, uh, a little bit overweight. Uh, the shirt he was wearing or the pants he was wearing or the car he was wearing. And I'm like, but how, does does that really matter? Now, I'm not going to lie. It matters to me to an extent because it's like we can sit here all day and say what somebody wears doesn't matter or what somebody drive doesn't matter. But I know for somebody like myself, I'm not married and I know if I'm going somewhere and I pull up and I'm in a beat up car or I'm not dressed a certain way. I'm not going to get any kind of response or any kind of play from women. So how do you really continue or change the mindset to do what me and you have been talking about and just being a plain Jane, if you will, but still having an ego or the confidence of a real man when society, all of society is brainwashed. A very few of us are not brainwashed to see people for who they actually are and not what they do or what they wear. Well, I think you just—I think you just spit the answer right there. So for me, I, so it's as much—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really a strategic move, you know. Um, I heard a wise man once say, "What you do to get a, what you do to get her, you don't have to do to keep her." You're right. And so if you if you pull out all the bells and whistles, and that's what she was originally attracted to, then you actually just—you actually just put yourself in somewhat of a bind because yeah. you can never you take your foot off the gas. Attract- yeah, I mean, you just you just you just actually won the attention of someone who is materialistic. Yeah. So you you better be prepared to always be doing all this crazy stuff, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't um, meet your financial goals, if it if it is yeah. uh, taken away from your investment plan, because you gotta got you gotta buy this for her, you gotta do this for yourself, because yeah. otherwise, like, man, I can tell you. I, I just shot up to my wife. My wife ain't no joke, man. Yeah. My wife has two master's degrees. She is no slouch. Yeah. She is a, she is 
she is bad in every single way. <laughs> and she is not a bomb. She's going to be sharp. But my wife is practical. And yeah. she is someone who I, I just thank God for it. Her mindset is such that she's not uh, so caught up on materialism. Yeah. We both like nice things. We're not, like I said, we're not bombs. Yeah. We like nice things. We like quality, though. Like, yeah. But not just for the sake of being able to say this is a status. Like, I drive... We, we came down here literally with our, only our stuff. Yeah. We we got rid of all of our furniture in L.A. We did the math. We're like, yo, it's going to cost us more to move this stuff than it would be to just re-up and yeah. get to Texas. Yes. So that's just, we, we sold some stuff. We donated other stuff. Really, the bulk of it, we donated. And we just started to start it over when we got here. We bought our clothes and, like, kitchen stuff, pretty yeah. much, and towels and stuff like that. Did I went to CarMax and got me a uh, little 2013 Ford Focus. You would think I'm driving around on 20s, man. I, <laughs> I'm just fine. I promise you. Yeah. I'm fine. I ain't got, I mean, who do I have to impress? Chris, number one, yeah. number two. Yeah. Number two, like, I got, I, I'm, I'm taking care of my family. Yeah. I'm doing what makes sense. Yeah. You know, I got, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I yeah. mean, that's the true sign of confidence. Yeah. Confidence is being brave enough to go against the grain. Yeah. Even though you know good and well, like if you step in this club, you gotta have on four hundred dollar shoes. Yeah. And you be the you be the one to say, you know what, but but not me though. Yeah. And that's that's again, that's the attitude that I got from yeah. the west side of Chicago. Yeah. It could be a million dudes at the club falling out and doing this and trying to tell that and I walk in that joint, just just say for example, if I was the single man that I used to be, yeah. I would go for the, the top the top sister in that joint just to show everybody, like, yo, you're doing your, your little dog and pony show with your money, and she's taking walks with me on the beach right, right now. I already done told her what we she going, wanted to hear. We're going, we going, we going out for ice cream. You spent <laughs> you spent $400 on your day. I yeah. spent four. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, I already so, know about and, it, and man. Yeah, and so we have to be brave enough to rewrite the story. Yeah. If 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 you don't, and that dude, that at the opportunity that's there in the world, where if you turn on the radio, every song is like alike. Yeah. People are afraid to do something d different and that's, new. Yeah. There was a time where even in our music, nothing sounded the same. Yeah. I mean, I, you could close your eyes right now and I could play an Earth, Wind & Fire song, you will know you it. You know what it is. I could play a Stevie Wonder song, you will know you it. Know I mean, it. just from the intro, Ivy Brothers, come on, you'll know who exactly it is. If I turn on a trap song today, you have to wait until probably the hook to even know, know who, who it is. Or, or you could find a couple of them that sound the same. You got Young Thug that sounds the same. You got Rich Homie Corn that sound like Young Thug. You got Lil Uzi you go. that sound like that's there three guys who pretty much similarly sound the same, and they got their their uh, their um, sound off Lil Wayne. You got people like uh, like you got even with J Cole, Kendrick, Drake, and all them. They are uh -huh. products of Kanye West. You know, so. Uh -huh. It's just so many, like you said, there's so many different things to where a certain, a lot of, if not most artists don't stand out because they don't have any individuality. They don't um, have a particular sound. So, no, that, that and definitely makes sense. it requires bravery. It requires yeah. bravery. It yeah. requires someone to be, um, to have godly confidence. That's yeah. really where it starts. Like, my confidence doesn't come from this music industry. It yeah. doesn't come from what I, what I possess. Yeah. It, it comes from 
what I know, who I know I am in God. Yeah. And there's no human being or no worldly system that can ever impact that or take that away. Dude, we learn to put that on blast. We will completely revolutionize what our communities look like. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And billions of dollars, billions of dollars are pumped into marketing campaigns and mass media efforts to, to keep us away from that truth. Yeah. Because no. if you think about the amount of effort and energy that's pumped into keeping us materialistic, it's it's astounding, man. Yeah. It's astounding. You know, I'll, I, you know, my master's degree is in public health, and I often wonder why we don't consider it a public health crisis. Yeah. That the very communities who suffer from violence get fed violent content over and over again through public media. Yeah. I'm not talking about people who go out and you. I mean, this is this is a a, a capitalistic country. Individuals should be able to go to a, a, a record store or iTunes and purchase whatever material that they want. If you want to listen to yeah. uh, music that is promoting the killing of black men and you're a black man, this is a free country. You should be able to go and spend your dollar and purchase that. Yeah. But a country that understands that that is a, a detriment to populations should not allow over public media that that to be proverbially played from the top of the day to the end of the day and expect to not see those results yeah. in those same communities. No, I agree. No, I agree. But we, but, but we call in the heroin uh, overdose issue an epidemic because it's now impacting white people, middle-class white America. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I ain't never heard about no yeah. crack e- epidemic. The, never. You know, it, it became, a, it, it, it wasn't a crack epidemic. It was a war on drugs. Yeah. You see, yeah. one one results in incarceration, the other results in in uh, atypical healthcare yeah. and support. And they got police departments who are saying, "Don't arrest these individuals. You know, bring them in, help get them connected to the resource." I'm like, really? Yeah. Do you know how? Like, where, where was that program for black people? You know, where was that program in the in the eighties yeah. on the west side of Chicago in the Bronx? And you know Dallas, yeah. Houston. You know where where were this where were these programs? Yeah, no, nah, it's not the same, and we all know that. Before we before we wrap it up, I wanted to I wanted to ask you a question. What would right now at this age? What would you tell your eighteen year old self, and why? And it's a generic question, but I think it's powerful because I often think about. You know, a lot of times people say, "If I knew then what I knew now, I would do this." And I know with me, like I said, a couple months from thirty four. When I make decisions now in life, love, relationships, friendships, I always try to think ahead, like, what would I be telling myself at this age if I was 45 years old? And I'm like, what would you tell yourself? So it's one of those questions where I think it means different things to different people. So what do you feel like you would tell yourself um, at 18 years old from from the age you are now? Never give up. Yeah. It's just that simple, man, because the truth is, like, I don't have, there are things that I knew at 18, there are things that I did not yet know at 18, yeah. um, but I think as I look back from that from that time frame to like where I am now, I'm 57 right now, yeah. and um, the one thing that I would say to my 18 year old, my 18 year old self is just like, just stay on the path and just keep going, just don't give up, yeah. because God has already ordained like the time and space where you're going to learn this and you're going to get that, 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell my 18 year old self to like do anything super uh, radical to try to avoid certain things. I'm just yeah. like, yo, just keep, just stay on, stay on the, stay on the grind, man. Just yeah. keep going. You're gonna be good. You'll be good. God's got you. Just never give up. And there, there, I look at the, the pitfalls that I've had, the setbacks that I've had in that in that window of time. And um, as much as I can say, like many of them, I, I wouldn't want to repeat. I'm thankful for yeah. what God has shown me through them. Um, so yeah, it would be just that simple, man. Never give up. You got this, young blood. Keep going. Man, I appreciate you, man. I, like I said, I look forward to, uh, for the people who don't know, um, I met you, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, with the backpacks and haircuts that we have coming up here on August 14th at the U Unisex Salon uh, studio. And I met yeah, Jason. I'm out. Yeah, and I met Jason because, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, he hit us up and he was like, hey, I do this, I do that. Um, if you guys need me, plug me in wherever. And for me, that was big because in a time in a space for me over the last year it's been hard to find people who want to do something i said that on episode 73 or 74 i've been getting my episodes mixed up lately but i've been like it's so important to find people who have a passion to give back who have a passion to do the things that you want to do when i started this podcast i've always had a passion to do it but i've ran you know ran into people who like to do it for fun and that's fine but when you find somebody who has a passion for helping people and giving back and doing things that they love. Those are the people you don't have to hunt down because they're finding you and you don't have to try and go to them and say, Hey, what idea do you have? Because they're hunting you down Mm -hmm. to give you an idea because they are interested or they are, you know, in it for the right reasons, just like you are. So I mean, from, from, from me and the reality is family, man, like I said, I appreciate you. I look forward to August 14th, man. And you coming out and officially meeting you in person uh, I'm glad, Absolutely. you know, I'm glad you came from L.A. to to Dallas and from Chicago to L.A., you know, to Dallas. And I hope over the next couple of months you find what you're looking for here. I know you said it's been good. Hopefully it gets better. I can tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't done anything in Dallas, you got to come out to Dallas. I'll show you some places, man. But you eat, you eat tacos, Mexican food? Come on, brother. Hey, I tell people all the time, man, if I, I wasn't black, I'd be Hispanic. I, I keep my hands in their food, <laughs> but nah, that's up, when, you, when you come hey, out here, I'm gonna have I, to show you some spots, man. I'm ready. I'm all. You just say the word, man. I'm definitely ready. Uh, thank you so much, man. You you said what you said about about me reaching out, but let me just make it uh, abundantly clear. I'm not reaching out to every single opportunity that I see. Yeah. Um, uh, I was at work, and my wife sent me the flyer for the event, and. I looked at it and I was like, man, something here. Yeah. These people look like they legit, yeah. like they own something. <laughs> then I checked out, I checked out the, the website. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is, these are my people. Yeah. I looked at it and I recognized my people. I yeah. said, this is a, this is a like spirited uh, effort yeah. and I need to learn more about it. And so trust me, I wouldn't have reached out if I didn't recognize the real in it. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, yeah. so, um, it, it just as sure as you could applaud me for reaching out or thank me for, for reaching out. I have to thank you for doing what you're doing and being someone who I was eager to reach out to. So yeah. I look forward to, to partnering with you. Like I said, I'm I'm not the one to try to reinvent the wheel. I'm new to town. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me to come in and try to stand up some new initiative when brothers already been on the grind doing the work. So yeah. I just want to come and 
roll up my sleeves and, and, and join in in the effort. So yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And that's important, man. Uh, it's, I was just saying that today, and I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about how, especially in the black community, how hard it is for black people to come together and build something together. And so often I feel like, uh, like right now with all the crisis that happened with the cops killing, you know, being killed and black people being killed um, on Facebook, it was a black owned portal that was opened up a black owned business portal that was opened up. And I never commented in the, in the uh, portal, but one thing I saw was like, it took off to where I think it's over 5,000, 6,000 black owned businesses, businesses in that portal, whether it's from home or a store or online or whatever the case may be. But I was looking at it and I was like, I haven't read one time in this portal where somebody has said, hey, I do this that's similar to somebody else and saying, hey, you want to come together and build this? Because I think too many times we have people who have labels like I have a business, you know, I have an LLC. But I promise you, Mm -hmm. if somebody came along with a bigger vision or a better vision, because I don't think it'll be bigger, but a better vision than mine and a better way to get there. And they have more of an infrastructure laid out and more financing. I am willing to roll what I have into theirs. And I think it's important to do so because a lot of times we can go further. It's cliche, but we can, we can do more, you know, when we have greater numbers on our side. Now, of course you want the right people working with you, but I just think it's so important for black people to understand we can do so much more together than by ourselves but too many times I feel like we want all the credit and we don't know how to team up and we don't know how to connect with the resources around us to make the vision that we already have bigger than what it is yeah brother that you know that's also to me to be honest with you that goes back to that God confidence I was talking about you know I, I honestly believe that God is my supplier yeah it's not my job. It's not, you know, my little hustle. It, that doesn't, that's not what feeds me. If I didn't have this, God would give me something else. Yeah. But we have this freaking slave mentality, and we think that what we have and what we, like, you go you go into certain companies, and I've heard these stories where, you know, you're the second black guy on the job, and you get there, and the, the first black guy is acting funny towards you, like, you came to take his spot yeah. or something. Like, bro. Yeah. Like, yo. Is it is it this is the CEO your God? Yeah, yeah. Or is, is Almighty God your God? Who yeah. who do you trust here? Yeah, you know. And so um, there's a level of confidence. You're not freaking threatened all the time. You don't feel like somebody's gonna overshadow you. You're not even watching for that. Yeah, because you are so focused on the ultimate call on your life, and you know that there's no human effort or plan that could override that. There's so much peace in that, man. Like, you can live, you literally can live in peace. And you're looking for opportunities to partner and see what, you know, see what opportunities are out there to build something even bigger. But if you're living afraid and you're trying to, like, preserve, you know, what you built, you know, in fear of somebody else overshadowing it or taking it away, that's just like, to me, it's such a lost, yeah. a, a lost opportunity. Is a, is a whole nother it's a higher plane that we can live on it does require godly perspective man. Yeah. you can't you can't get there if you're so uh, survival focused yeah. you no. just can't no. So. no I agree before we go I want you to uh, tell them where they can look, where they, well first of all tell them where they can find you on social media and where they can go to buy your sure. album absolutely the album is uh, Jason 
Ferg is my artist name. My first and last name is Jason Ferguson, but my artist name is Jason Ferg. That's F E R G. The album title is Tribune. It's everywhere. It's on iTunes, Tidal, Spotify, Amazon, CD Baby. Um, but if you want to learn more about what I'm doing musically, my website is jasonferg.com. That's J A S O N F E R G.com. And all of my social media is Jason Ferg Media. I'm sorry, Jason Ferg Music. Music spelled the normal way, not Q or K or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's Jason Ferg Music. And that's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, Periscope, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But JasonFerg.com will point you in all of those directions for the album, for social media, whatever. Right. Um, I definitely welcome anybody to hit me up. Not only do I encourage you to grab the album, but sit down and give it a listen. Yeah. And email me. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you like, what you want to hear on the next joint, whatever. Yeah. Let's connect. All right, that's what's up. And also, if you want to keep in contact with The Reality Is, you can keep up with us at www.therealityis. That's T-H-A, therealityis.com. You can keep up with me on Facebook as Anthony Roberts. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter as Sir Robert Pohl. And you can find us on uh, The Reality Is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Anchor at The Reality Is. And I always remember NL Curse to XL Success, man. And we appreciate you again, Jason, for coming on, man. Thanks, brother. The moment the fire ended, their courage and energy were restored. With it, the people of Chicago went to work to rebuild their attitude was best summed up in a proclamation issued by the mayor. Quote, with the help of God, order and peace and private property shall be preserved. It is believed the fire has spent its force and all will soon be well. This is that thump that you ride down the street to. Tribune, champion of the people. Been looking for your number. I've been trying to reach you. Hope you get the message. Hope I made it see-through. Welcome to the shy. Love is on the table. We can be the greatest city ever if we... Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That looks good on paper. That should win you a championship, so we think. So many times we say things look good on paper. Jason Ferguson got about five degrees. And if you listen to the whole podcast, he said his wife got two masters. God damn, they look good on paper. Mm. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.